0: Good morning, New Heights, and everybody who's watching online. I'm gonna start off this morning by talking about babies. Is that okay? You know, we make a big deal about the births of our children, don't we? There's the buildup, and then we put it out to our friends and our family and on social media. It's like we're expecting possibly there's gonna be a gender reveal party thrown in there somewhere, and, and then the big day finally arrives, this this new life comes into the world, and announcements are made, pictures are posted, and everybody's just like, oh, how adorable, right? I mean, I can still remember just those feelings of becoming a first-time dad, and then just the joyful excitement as each one of my three kids were born. And the Apostle Paul, in a way, he expressed serious joy over the spiritual birth of all the believers in Philippi that we're going to read about today. He was instrumental in them coming to faith, and he rejoiced in what God had begun. He was like a proud papa, you know. He was filled with wonder and joy that they had been born again, but he didn't stop there. He had a joyful anticipation of them growing up in Christ. And in the first chapter of Philippians, you can feel Paul's passion as he prays for these Christians, that they would grow into maturity and fullness. He's praying that the God who saved them would be the God who grows them. And this is relevant for us in the church today because we celebrate spiritual births with a lot of energy, don't we? But when it comes to the lifelong, ongoing, messy process of becoming mature, it's not so much. And so for Paul, though, there was no stopping halfway. His vision was always birth to maturity. And his letters, they overflow with words like fullness and more and more that we're going to read today. And in thinking about this continuing process of growing up in our faith, I'm inspired by the words of the 16th century sailor, Sir Francis Drake. He was speaking about God leading us to undertake great works when he said this, It's not the beginning, but the continuing of the same until it be thoroughly finished that yieldeth the true glory. So Drake was a finisher as well as a starter. I mean, he sailed around the world figuring that if you start a journey like that, then there's no point in stopping halfway. So let's dive into Paul's prayer for maturity that we're going to find in Philippians chapter one. So you can go ahead and start to turn there in your Bibles. And as you're getting there, let me do just a little bit of review from where Jim Hall kicked us off in our series last week. In the letter to the Philippians, Paul begins with this address. He addresses the believers in Philippi as saints, which is how we're identified all over the New Testament. And saint does not mean like spiritually elite. Saint simply means those who belong to God's family. And it's important to note that. We're going to talk about it later. And Paul, he loves these guys. I mean, really loves them. Check out what he says in chapter one, verse eight. He says, God can bear witness how much I am longing for all of you with the deep love of King Jesus. And the Greek word there for deep love is the word splachna, which sounds like I just coughed something up, doesn't it? And and that word splanchna, what that means, it meant the noble organs, like your heart, your liver, your lungs. Now, we wouldn't say, I love you with my liver, man, right? That would be kind of weird, right? But we would say, I love you from the bottom of my heart. And that's really what Paul is saying here. But he also goes on, he goes, it's not just my love, it's the overflowing love of Christ, He's saying, Jesus' love has been infused into my soul and it's pouring out towards you. And then he prays for them to grow and experience the same thing. So let's read what he prays beginning in Philippians 1 verse 9. He says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment. So Paul is praying for this love unlimited, this love that is so rich that they don't even have room to store it. This love that will infuse them and become the inner state of their souls. And Paul knows that this is the highest thing that he can pray for his friends in Philippi because if the love that they already have continues to grow, it continues to abound, Paul knows that it's gonna overflow into deeds of kindness that wrong attitudes and actions towards each other will stop and that problems will resolve. And honestly, you guys, as one of the shepherds here at New Heights, I pray that my love would abound more and more and that our love as a church would just continue to abound more and more. And Paul, he uses a word here more and more. Uh, It's translated in some of of your Bibles as overflow or abound, more and more. This is actually one of Paul's favorite words in the New Testament. It's used 39 times to describe the quality of life that's available to us through Jesus. We were created in Christ for fullness. Everybody say that with me. Say fullness. Fullness. That's what we are created in Christ Jesus for. It's the opposite of just a little dabble do ya, add a little religion to your life. It's completely opposite of that type of thinking. And then Paul goes on to pray that our love would abound more and more. He says, in knowledge and discernment. In other words, that we would have a particular kind of love. It's not a love based on ignorance or blindness. It's not a love where just anything goes. It's a mature kind of love. It's, it's not sloppy agape like one of my old mentors used to say. It, it needs to be full of knowledge and discernment. Now, when we think about love, We often probably don't think this way. We tend to think of love more in in line with emotions and affection, but not with knowledge and wisdom. But for Paul, they were all bound up together. It's like you could not separate head and heart. And the knowledge that, that Paul is praying for in these believers is more than just book knowledge, It's a deep insight into how God's world works, how relationships work. It's knowledge applied in the concrete situations of life. So he's praying for a love that will help us to know the things that really matter. And he's also praying that our hearts and minds would work together to produce discerning love and loving discernment. And the ability to discern is actually a mark of maturity. It's like when you think about this, little kids, like when they're really little, they'll point to any four-legged creature and they'll say, bow-wow, right? But then as they get older, they, they now know how to distinguish. And, and they can say, okay, that's a dog or a cat or a cow or, or whatever. It's like my boys, when they were little, they would say, car. But now as they've grown, they can say Mustang, McLaren, Tesla, you know. Um, So for the Philippians, as for us today, we need a love that results in moral discernment. Because they live as we do in a world where several moral issues had been blurred and distorted. And it was often hard to see what the right thing was to do and how to relate Just like college students who come to me and they say, Kevin, how do I talk to my roommates about their choices? That's real, isn't it? And it's difficult. But my answer would be for you to continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus and to pray continually for loving discernment. I believe that when you pray for that, God will give it to you. All right, let's keep going with Paul's prayer. Philippians chapter one, now we're gonna look at verse 10. So he says, I I pray so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So there are some really interesting adjectives here that we need to unpack. The first part of verse 10, he's praying that we will grow in love so that we can make good decisions And if you think about it, sometimes believers in Christ make horrible decisions, and half the time they blame God, going, God, why did you let me make this decision? And God could say, why are you not growing in wisdom and loving discernment, right? I mean, there's grace, there's mercy, there's redemption, but choosing what is best is one of the marks of growing in maturity, And it's not just in the big things like choosing like, okay, who am I going to marry or what career path am I going to choose? But it's in the daily things, the small things like, how am I going to spend my time and my money? Like, what am I going to listen to? What am I going to watch? It's not asking the question, what can I get away with? But it is what will help to make me into a mighty man or woman of God? Amen? That's where we, we need to grow into that. And, and Paul then doubles down by praying not only that they would be people who could make the best choices possible, but also that they themselves would become the best people possible. Because he has an end game in mind here and we see it in, in the next verse. He wants when, when Jesus returns, he wants us to be like him. That's the end game. In all of this. And then in, in this prayer, Paul is using two words, two adjectives that are full of imagery. The first word is the word pure. Now, Paul, in Paul's day, the ladies would do their laundry by hand. They, they would wash it out, they would wring it out, and then they would hold it up into the sun to see if they got all the stains out, and they would hang it to dry. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever washed clothes by hands. Uh, I've done it on a lot of missions trips, especially in Central America. They've got these big cement blocky things called pilas. I don't know if you've ever used one, but you know, you got this place where you can scrub your clothes out and then you got like this tank, you can dunk them in and rinse them. And then you have to wring them out and hold them up and make sure you get all the stains out and and hang them to dry. And really this is the idea that this word pure uh, is really communicating Some some, uh, scholars translate this word pure literally as tested by sunlight. The idea that our lives, they line up with our confession. Our thoughts and our actions reflect the values of the family that we're a part of. When a man came to the great British preacher, Charles Spurgeon, and said, I wanna write your biography, here's what Spurgeon answered. He said, you may write my life in the clouds. I have nothing to hide. And that's this word pure. He's transparent before God and before people. And this is what Paul is praying for, the Philippians. And then he uses this other word, blameless. Now, blameless here doesn't mean sin-free. But it means that as I walk down the road of life, I don't put stumbling blocks in people's way by my example. It's a beautiful word picture. You're walking down the road of life and you're aware of how your example is impacting those who are coming behind you. So if you're a parent, you're thinking this is your children who are coming behind you. If you're a college student, these are the middle schoolers that look up to you. And, and so you're asking this question, would it be okay if they turned out like me? That's this idea of blameless. And we're not, am I talking about being perfect here? No, but we're talking about walking down the road of life with intentionality, asking what's coming off my life uh, that people behind me are experiencing. Asking this question, does my life inspire or does it hinder others. Now let's read the final part of Paul's prayer in verse 11. It says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And there's another interesting word here. It's the word righteousness. And sometimes when you see this word righteousness in the New Testament, it means right standing with God. It's that free unearned gift of grace that is ours through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ but that's not the word that Paul is using here. The word that he's using here can best be translated as the fruit of right living. It's another one of Paul's big words. And and here it's emphasizing the life that we live as the result of our status of being forgiven. And the picture here is, is really a picture of an orchard. I want you just to think orchard when you read this. Trees that are full of fruit, just waiting for you to come along and and pick them. Things in your life that people can see, they can touch, they're tangible. That comes through who? It says that comes through Jesus Christ. Because it's impossible for there to be an apple without the life of the tree flowing into that apple, right? Right? Think about being in a vineyard. It's impossible for there to be grapes without the life of the vine flowing into those grapes. And this is what Jesus was saying in John fifteen five when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then Paul ends this prayer by acknowledging that when the Philippians, they make progress in faith and love and right living, that they were only able to do it through King Jesus. He gets all the glory. Amen? It's literally how we end the Lord's Prayer. We say, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever. Amen. And that's our text this morning, you guys. So, now as we move to our specific application, I want to take a minute to point out something. This is not a one-off prayer of Paul's. He actually prays very similar things for the Ephesians and for the Colossians and James and Peter, they wrote similar things because this is God's heart for all believers. I want you to check out another one of Paul's prayers that's really similar to Philippians. It's Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 12. And Paul prays this for the Colossian church. He says, And so from the day that we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk or live in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Does that sound really familiar to what he's praying for the Philippians? Sounds very, very similar. He's praying that they would live in fullness of the life that God wants for us. And then he says, I pray that you will live lives worthy of the Lord. And it's not that you're gonna live a life for God and then God finally goes, oh, I mean, really? Okay, now you're being good, finally. So I'm gonna let you into the family. No, the reality is, is that we've been adopted. We've been, we've been included in the family of God by grace and faith in the finished work of Jesus. So now let's live out of that identity, amen? We do it with the Spirit's help. It's like when you used to go to school or you used to go and hang out with your friends, you know, your mom would say something like this. She'd be like, okay, remember who you are and make good choices. And what is mom saying? Mom's saying basically this, as you go out, live a life consistent or worthy, you could say, with the values of this family. And, and so for me, you know, in my case, it'd be go out and live like a rusak. And, and so as a saint, one who belongs to the family of God, he wants us to live out of all that Jesus has provided for us. So as we kind of zoom out and we take all of this in this morning, it's obvious that God's heart isn't just that we receive new birth into his family, but also that we grow into maturity and fullness. And that's where I want to take the application this morning. So I've got three application points For us, the first is what we've already been talking about. Number one, that God wants us to grow. And this is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. It says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we'll no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine but by human cunning, but in craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we will grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So the goal isn't just for for you and me to listen to our favorite speakers podcast. (laughs) What it is, is the goal is to grow in character and wisdom that's expressed in how we relate to God and others. Amen. And and like I said, God doesn't want us to stay children. He wants us to grow up. Because here's the thing, as we grow up, we live more into the rich relationship with God and the shared profound purpose with him that we were created for. And you might be sitting there thinking, okay, Kev, what's the big deal about growing up? Because like, even if I stay a, a spiritual baby, I'm still gonna make it to heaven, aren't I? I mean, what's the big deal? But I have three teenagers at home right now, but let me ask you, what if my three teenagers stayed infants for the rest of their life? They stayed babies. Would that affect our relationship? Say yes, (laughs) obviously. That would affect our relationship if they just stayed infants. You know, when they were little, I could relate to them on, on a certain level. I mean, I could talk to them and we could do some things together. But as they're growing up, as they're maturing, it's going to a whole deeper level. We can do things we never could have done when they were little. We can talk about things we never could have talked about when they're little. I mean, our communication is going to a much deeper level. I can express my heart to them. They express their heart to me. We can have fellowship around things like books and music and sports. We can talk about the world. It's beautiful. Their maturity affects everything. And it's the same way in our relationship with God. Our maturity affects everything. As we grow up in our faith, it opens completely new aspects of what we experience in the kingdom of God. But I have to be an agent of reality here. Point number two, growth requires cultivation. In other words, it's not automatic. The fact, if think about this, the fact that we pray for these things to increase in our life shows us that it's not automatic. Just like producing a harvest of apples or a harvest of grapes is not automatic. It requires careful cultivation. And so for us, that cultivation process that leads us to maturity, it's a beautiful lifelong process. And here's the reality. You can't just tape fruit on, and go, look, there's fruit. Like, just tape it on in the moment. You can't, you can't do that and go, here's fruit. You, in order to have fruit, you've got to be connected to the life of the tree, the life of the vine. And this is what Jesus was speaking to in Matthew chapter seven, verse 17, where he says a good tree produces good fruit. So just like with any good and healthy tree, our roots need to go down deep. And Paul speaks to this rootedness in Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven says, so then just as you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, and, and people in the church make a big deal about receiving Christ. Like, did you receive Christ? I received Christ. She received Christ. We're excited that people are receiving Christ. But again, Paul says, okay, that's the starting point. He goes, from there, continue to live lives in him. So now that he's saying, now that you've been born into the family of God, grow up. How? Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So what we are rooted in is really, really important. And as you read Paul's letters, You can see that his life was deeply rooted in the life of Jesus Christ, in following his example, following Jesus' way. So just like Jesus, Paul was deeply rooted in community and in relationships. Paul was deeply knowing people and people were deeply knowing Paul. And also his life was rooted in his kingdom identity in the big story of God. And then he was practicing spiritual disciplines like prayer, like we're reading about today. And he was dependent on the Holy Spirit for guidance and power and transformation. And so as we think about what Paul's life was rooted in, I've identified four things that he takes from the life of Jesus and created a diagram just to kind of put these up on the screen for us. And I want you to think of of the four things you see up here like you think about the four food groups. Like if you've got a healthy balance Of all four of these things in your life, they will help you to take your roots deep into Jesus. So if you would like in-depth teaching and training around these four areas of immersing in God's story, practicing spiritual disciplines, participating in God's community, and following the Holy Spirit in everyday life, we are offering a six-week equip training teaching series for everyone at New Heights. And right now we've got the staff going through it and 50 other adults from our church that are going through it, but we've had to be careful with the rollout of it because of COVID. So we've had to start small, but I want you guys to keep your ears open for the big class that we're gonna have this fall for the entire church. So just just be looking for that. Okay, the last thing I'll mention about our spiritual growth, point number three, is that growth requires faith and vision it always requires faith and vision. And when it comes to vision, when it comes to our holy imagination, I wonder for some of us if our vision of the Christian life is too small. It's too small. Like I mentioned earlier, are we living out of like a little dabble, do ya add a little Jesus to your life type of thinking? Or do Do we have a desire for more and more like Paul is praying here? A vision of our lives that includes Paul's description of abounding and fullness and overflow. Is is that grab your holy imagination? It's like we used to say back in the 80s, right? Like life in Christ to the max, you know? I feel like saying dude after that, right? To the max, dude. So uh, I recognize though, that a vision for that takes faith, doesn't it? It takes real faith in who God is and his sufficiency in our lives and the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And you might be sitting there and you might be thinking, okay, Kev, I've prayed for growth before and not a whole lot's happened, you know, or you feel like I've prayed for growth and it's discouraging. I feel like the process is so slow. Like I take one step forward and three steps back, right? It feels like that sometimes. But I encourage and challenge you to keep praying for growth. Pray and then pray some more. Paul is praying this continually for these believers again and again for his friends in Philippi. And here's the thing, the older I get, the more I realize that life is like a series of restarts, really. It's like hitting the reset button over and over, isn't it? Like forgetting what is behind and pressing forward towards what's ahead. And that sounds a lot about like Paul, doesn't it? Of what he confesses later in this letter in Philippians chapter three. Let's just read it. We'll be at these verses here in some months, but Philippians 3, 12 through 14, Paul has this attitude and this faith about his growth. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I know for many of you, as you hear these words, you're like, man, I'm with you, Paul. (laughs) I'm not living in all that fullness yet, but I want it. But I need to forget what's behind. I need to hit the reset button, especially we want to forget what's behind in 2020. Amen? Hit the reset button and set our sights on moving forward. So that's this morning how I want to wrap up is what I would love to do is I would love to share a couple of testimonies with us right now from our New Heights family to encourage and to inspire you in your pursuit of pressing on. So we're going to first hear uh, this morning from Donnie and Kimberly Williams. And, and I'm just going to put their picture up here, and I'm going to just share uh, what they wrote in their testimony. And Donnie is a professor at the U of A in Kimberly. She works in graphic and package designing. Together, they lead one of our community groups at New Heights. And, and they get to preaching here, so just get ready for it, okay? It's, it's encouraging, and it's powerful. So here's what they wrote. As we look back on our journey of faith and cultivating our relationship with Jesus— We are reminded of the deep love and care at the beginning of our journey through the touch of the Holy Spirit. While while both of us grew up attending church, we came from places of brokenness and a lack of understanding that the Father truly wanted deep relationship with us. The deception that you can like attend church and be okay with Jesus, they said is a lie that many people believe in our culture today. However, once we understood that our faith was about being transformed by Christ and that his desire was to have deep relationship with us, our only response was to pursue and cultivate our relationship with him. And this changed the reality of what it meant for us to walk in the spirit of Christ on a daily basis. We truly desired a transformative relationship with Christ, so we took every opportunity where we could to study the word of God, to commune with the Holy Spirit, and pursue community where deep Christ-centered relationships were edifying and encouraging us. And at times, they say this has looked like uh, classes and teaching that are focused on spiritual growth and development that have provided fuel to fan into flame our hearts and remind us of the foundational principles that allow us to know Christ more intimately. When Paul prayed for the various churches in his letters, he constantly prayed for the believers to increase in their knowledge of him, referring to an experiential, intimate knowledge of God as we continue to grow. As Paul stated, and I love this, they say, we never wanna be in a place where we are not pursuing Christ and continually learning from him. I love that lifelong learner attitude. They said, but we did learn this early on, that there's an enemy, An enemy who does not want us to experience deep meaningful relationship with the Father and he'll do anything in his power to stop it. So when we don't understand the warfare over our relationship with the Father, we can easily become isolated, discouraged, and alone. And it's here though, that the Father's love and the Holy Spirit's promptings always come to draw us back. But we've got to respond to his drawing. Amen? Powerful, powerful words and encouragement there. The, the next person that I want to share their testimony is Garrett Naylor, who Garrett, you'll sometimes see him playing drums up here. He's on the soundboard in the back there. Wave, Garrett. Uh, we appreciate Garrett so much here. And, uh, and here's what Garrett has to say about this. He says, I became a Christian at a young age and was involved in many things at New Heights, including uh, doing summer internships and leading a cell group. I did grow in my faith learning how to disciple students, how to read the Bible and so on. But what I was lacking, he says, was a relationship with Jesus. A major turning point came uh, the summer before my junior year of college when I did summer training school, which is STS. He said, that summer, I was surrounded day by day with 20 other college students who were in the same boat as myself. We had experienced God, but we didn't know how to have a relationship in our everyday walk. We spent almost every day, either in classes or sharing our testimonies or studying God's word, serving on Sundays. And he says, or the most impactful thing for me was just having fun together as a community in people's homes. And as the summer went on, I learned how Jesus wanted to have a personal relationship with me and help me as I go through each day. And then I love what he says here. He says, it was like I was watching a documentary about God. And then he hit the pause button and then all of a sudden, Jesus was on the couch next to me, watching it with me. And he said, ever since then, there have been times where I've gotten up off the couch and I've ignored the movie, but Jesus has always pulled me back and said, it's okay, come sit with me. So now I take each day to try to remember Paul's words and make them my own. I press on, I forget what lies behind, and I reach for what lies behind encouraging words. Amen. All right. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up at this time. And if you need prayer about anything, like it might be related to what we're talking about here and you might be going, I feel like I need to hit the reset button. I feel like there's a lot of people here this morning who are feeling that. I need to hit the reset button in my relationships, my relationship with God. I need new vision. I need new grace to have that vision to move forward. I would encourage you to get prayer for that. And also, I've talked a lot this morning about the family of God. So let me ask, are you in the family of God? I mean, none of this is possible if you're not adopted in the family. None of this is possible without the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So if you're not sure if this is true about you, I invite you this morning, Put your hope and faith in Jesus Christ, in his life, his death, his resurrection, his love for you. Ask him to free you from all of your sins, all of your past, and ask him today to make you his child. And if you are his child here this morning, I would just encourage you to pray the words of Paul that that we studied this morning. Pray them over your life today. And this week, throughout this week, just pray that over yourself. In fact, that's how I just want to close this out. Can I pray that over all of us right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray for all of us here this morning that our love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that we may be able to approve what is excellent, so we might be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of right living that comes through Jesus Christ. To your glory and your praise in Jesus name.